You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today we have a a packed show for you. We'll have uh, an interview with David Morris, who runs QB Country. Morris played at Old Miss with Eli Manning and currently trains Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. So he'll have some interesting things to say regarding the current and possible future of the Giants quarterback situation. We will also have an interview with Drew Boylehart of the popular draft website, the Huddle Report. First, though, I want to uh, to address a topic that's kind of come up recently at Big Blue View and has come up throughout the 2018 season and recently during the offseason, and that is uh, Giants defensive end outside linebacker Olivier Vernon and just what kind of player Vernon actually is. This week, uh, Pro Football Focus is going through its top 101 players of 2018. To this point, as I tape this, the uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, has gone through from number 101 to number 50. Vernon was named number 70 on that list, really the second honor that Vernon has received this offseason as he was also named a first alternate to the Pro Bowl where he as you know ended up replacing Khalil Mack and actually playing in the game there's a large segment of the Giants fan base that just doesn't understand this love for Vernon you know from the uh, from the the analyst community and from the uh, the NFL community itself they look at Vernon's, you know, massive contract, $85 million over five years. They look at the games he's missed over the last two seasons. I think he's missed nine games total over two years, both uh, both times due to uh, ankle injuries. They look at the fact that in none of his three seasons with the Giants has he accumulated double-digit sack totals. And they basically think that Vernon is an overpaid underproductive player. The reality of it is Olivier Vernon is a very good football player. What he is not and never has been, if you look back at his career in Miami, what he never has been is a dominant, dynamic pass rusher, a guy who just blows people away off the edge 
the way, for example, that OCU Minora did for the Giants, you know, back in his day. Vernon is a good football player. He's probably a guy who's not a number one defensive end. He's probably not a guy who should be the best player on your defensive line. The problem for me isn't Vernon, really. The problem for me is that the Giants don't have or haven't had the dynamic player you know, to pair with Vernon. And I know some people will say, well, they traded away JPP, which they did, and I supported that. You know, but you know when when the Giants did have JPP, he and Vernon did make a fairly dynamic pair. And what the Giants really need is someone who to pair with Vernon. This is a guy who he plays the run very well. He does rush the passer well. He doesn't create a lot of sacks. You know, Dan Pizzuta did a thing uh, recently at Big Blue View talking about pressure rates and pointing out that the Giants were good at pressuring the quarterback. They just weren't good at actually finishing the play and getting the sack. And in, in in a lot of cases, that's the kind of pass rusher that Vernon is. He can create havoc. He creates impact. He creates situations where the quarterback has to throw the ball quickly or has to get out of the pocket and move around, hold the ball a little bit. But Vernon doesn't pile up the huge sack numbers. For me, he's probably a number two on your defensive line, not really a number one. He obviously, you know, as a number two with the kind of production that he's had, he makes too much money, but I've said this before. That's the situation the Giants were in back in 2016. They needed defensive players. They needed a quick infusion of proven defensive playmakers. Vernon was the best available on the market as far as a defensive end who could rush the passer at that point in time. And the Giants paid what the price was to get him to come to New York. That simply is how free agency works. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Vernon. I don't know if he will be back with the Giants next season. Obviously, we've talked at Big Blue View about the fact that if the Giants were to make Olivier Vernon a post-June 1 cut, they would save $15.5 million off the salary cap. Vernon carries, I believe, a $19.5 million cap hit for the 2019 season, and that is an awful, awful lot. So we, I don't know what's going to happen there, but what I do know is that if the Giants do make the decision that they need to move on from Olivier Vernon, that is an awful lot of production. That is a very good football player who will need to be replaced. All right, let's switch gears right now for you here. We're, you're going to hear a pair of interviews. The first one will be with David Morris of QB Country. And after that, you will hear my interview with Drew Boylehart of The Huddle Report. I hope you enjoy both. So real quick. Let's let's get started. Let's just just quickly tell people a little bit about uh, QB Country and a little bit about what you do. Um, yeah, so QB Country is a uh, is a quarterback training and development company that trains you know, NFL guys uh, all the way down to middle school kids, and um, and and I would say the bread and butter, of the majority of what we do is um, uh, as a company would be would be 
high school, middle school. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 we train a lot of college guys because we've kept our college guys over the years and we've kind of trickling into the NFL stuff now uh, uh, at that same path. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of the way it works. And you, I know you have a uh, a long term relationship with the guy who's quarterbacking the Giants right now. That being uh, Eli Manning. Um, you were a college teammate of Eli's, correct? That's right. Yep. And what you know? What do you see now? You know, from Eli Manning. Obviously, there's so much talk about Eli, and you know how much time he might have left in his career, and whether he, the Giants should continue to go with Eli Manning. I mean, what do you see when you when you look at Eli Manning now? Uh, I mean, I see a guy that, that can play at the highest level. Um, you know, I think he's as good as he's ever been, and I think he's a a guy that um, showed you know showed that this year at times. And I know that um, you know there are times where you know, he, he would tell you he, he would he wants to play better, but I mean, I think he's got uh, a lot left in the tank. And um, and I think you know he's he, he's uh, in a position where he's working like he's going to be playing you know uh, for uh, you know for for the foreseeable future. So I mean I think nothing changes in, in uh, his mind, and, and I think he's a guy that um, uh, you know that, that, that is going to is going to be at it for a while. Okay, so obviously, you know, the uh, everybody talks about, you know, Eli being, you know, 38 this coming season, the Giants perhaps, you know, needing to, to begin to think about a transition plan, you know, for Eli, at least that, that seems to be the, the majority opinion. And you happen to, to work with a guy who, who people think might be, you know, a Giants target when it comes to that transition plan, that being, uh, you know, Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. And if I'm not mistaken, you have worked with Jones since he was a high school kid? That's correct, yep. Uh, started training Daniel uh, uh, since his, uh, I guess, in his sophomore year in high school. So did you, you know, when did you begin to see, you know, the kind of ability – in Jones that, you know, people might, you know, he might be a first round pick. He might be a second round pick. Everybody seems to to feel a little differently about what Jones might be, you know, in this coming draft. When did you start to see that kind of ability in him? You know, I thought early on there was, um, I thought early on there was a lot of potential and there was, uh, I saw a kid who was very hungry and a kid who was talented and a kid who was growing and uh and very mature and uh and you know very driven and so i I think from a young age you see all that stuff and then as he continues to grow by the time he was done with high school you know i I think you know we we would we would have we would have said hey the kid you know one day has nfl potential and uh that's how we saw it from you know really probably from into his junior year you know thought you know if if the stars align And what was your, I know you were, you're down, you know, there uh, at the, uh, the senior bowl recently. What was your role at the senior bowl? Uh, no, no official role. Uh, we just have, we have a, we did a camp this year uh, with the senior bowl quarterback camp uh, for, 
for high school quarterbacks. Uh, but no, I, not a role. Uh, there's no no role. No official role. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't certain about that. But what was your what do you think? You know, those different impressions of of the week that Daniel had at the Senior Bowl. Some people came out of the week thinking he had you know, he played so well in the game that he had had improved his his situation, you know, heading into the draft. Other people looked at the practices and 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 weren't as impressed with what he did during the week. What was your thought on uh, on what Jones accomplished or maybe didn't accomplish during the week? You know, I, I thought he got better every day. I thought he had the, you know, maybe the throw of the day each day and, and probably the throw of the, uh, of the game. Um, you know, I think, you know, for a quarterback, that's a, uh, that's a fun week, but it's also a tricky week. You know, you got four other guys or three other guys there on your side and everybody's trying to cram and learn that offense. And then you're, you know, having interviews and, and um, meetings and uh, there's a lot on all those guys' plays. Uh, but I, I thought Daniel got better every day and, and I think he showed that, you know, it's, that he fits in and, and uh, that he's, uh, he, he can do it as good as anybody or better. One more thing, um, you know, I know that uh, that you were coached and Eli Manning was coached and, and, and Daniel has been coached by David Cutcliffe and everyone talks about you know, Coach Cutcliffe's ability with quarterbacks. What, in your mind, is the advantage? You know, what is it that Coach Cutcliffe brings to the table, you know, in coaching quarterbacks that, that can really help someone, you know, along the way? Yeah, he challenges quarterbacks uh, probably more than anybody else on the team. He expects a lot of uh, his quarterbacks and um you know, he, he puts a lot on their plate. He uh, he asks a lot of them from a leadership standpoint, from a um, uh, you know from a standpoint of just doing things uh, to a high standard. And um, you know, I think from a pure football standpoint, he he, he takes you on a deep dive. Um, you know, whether it be footwork or mechanics or you know the the um, you know offensive football and and how to get through progressions. You know. He teaches you a lot, and, and you have to learn a lot of defensive football and, you know, fronts and, 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 and what works for certain looks and what doesn't. So I, I just think, he, you know, I've said this before, I think I think a David Cutcliffe quarterback is a prepared quarterback and a guy that, um, that understands, the, you know, uh, the responsibility of the position. Last question for you, David, because I know your, your time's kind of limited here. But if you, you know, you look at the relationships, you know, between Coach Cutcliffe, I know there's an existing relationship, you know, between, uh, you know, Daniel Jones and, and Eli Manning. Does, does Daniel Jones as a potential successor to Eli in New York, does that make sense to you, you know, if you were to try to connect those dots? You know, that's above my pay grade. I, um, you know, I just don't know how the whole thing will shake out. I, I, I think that, you know, Eli's the quarterback there. Um, and, you know, sometimes the media gives him a hard time. I mean, he had statistically one of the best years of his career. Uh, I mean, I think I think that's pretty well.
well established within, you know, people in the know uh, there in New York uh, that he's the guy. I mean, I think Daniel uh, will be on somebody's team, um, you know, here in four or five months, and, and um, we're going to be excited about whatever opportunity comes. I mean, uh, I think any opportunity is uh, is a good one there at that level in the league, and he looks at it like, you know, it's just going to be an opportunity to get better and an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to lead. And, you know, if that means sitting early and learning and, and being a great teammate, he'll do it. Um, obviously, he's a competitor, and so, you know, he would be a guy that, uh, you know, they'd be excited to play. Uh, but, I mean, I think he knows that there's situations where he may be asked to play immediately, and there's other situations where, you know, he's going to be expected to, to learn Hey, David, I really appreciate your spending a few minutes. I know you've you've got to run, so I'll let you go. All right, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by a special guest for today's show, Drew Boylehart of The Huddle Report, which is one of the more interesting and informative sites that you'll come across as you study prospects for the 2019 NFL draft. Drew, how are you today? Good. I want to thank you very much, Ed, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Why don't we start with this? Why don't you go ahead and tell folks who might not be familiar with the Huddle Report a little bit about the website, a little bit about what you do there? Well, Robbie Esch started the a huddle report in 2001 and I came on in 2004 and did uh, profiles. I've been involved in the draft since uh, 1979 and I got sucked into it uh, when uh, I couldn't understand why nobody picked Joe Montana until the third round. So uh, since then it's an addiction and it's something that we, uh, Rob and I just love to do. And he started the value board and uh, what I do is I do profiles and I do, I, the talent grade on the players and the talent grade has nothing to do with where a player will be picked in the draft. The value board dictates that with an 80% accuracy rate. So we marry the two together and sometimes you'll find uh, players down in the fourth and fifth and sixth round on his board uh, that may have a one or a two or a three on them. And that just means that I just think they're going to be good players, whether they're picked in the third or fourth round or not. So uh, that's how we started, and uh, uh, people have enjoyed it over the years, and they've cursed at me and sworn at me and told me I'm a, a jerk and an idiot, and there's other guys who think it's uh, fantastic, and uh, it's just uh, a, a love that we have, and Rob and I both love to do it. Well, I will say this, you know, and for folks that aren't familiar with, with the Huddle Report and aren't familiar with Drew's scouting reports, if you get tired of reading the same old ABC scouting reports about players, the stuff that Drew writes is very different. I don't know if it's a more personal touch that, that you put into those, Drew. I'm not quite sure how to describe it, but they certainly aren't the standard you know, cut-and-dry scouting reports that you'll get elsewhere. Well, what I try to do is I don't get into the technical aspects. There's plenty of people that can do that to you, tell you, uh, you know, how well a guy throws the ball or doesn't throw the ball. What I'm trying to do is find out the intangibles, understand the intangibles of the players, 
uh, anybody can see how talented a player is. I mean, my, my 96-year-old mother can look at a, a, a TV guy and go, boy, that, that kid can really throw a ball. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that stuff out. But what's the difference in a guy who can throw the ball like Jeff George and a guy who can't throw the ball like Tom Brady? I mean, what makes Tom Brady great? What makes Jeff George not great? What, what is that thing that we all try to figure out? And that, to me, is the most important part, and that's, that's what I try to delve into. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of the specifics, like he moves his feet well and he does this, lateral agility, yada, yada, yada. His, uh, you know, his speed is really good. But I want to know why he's going to be a better offensive tackle than the guy who's rated ahead of him or, or the guy who's rated behind him or what the heck is, is going on. That's what I want to do, and that's what I try to do. So let's talk a little bit, obviously, you know, Big Blue View covers the New York Giants. Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming draft as it relates to the Giants. Um, obviously, everyone <laughs> talks about the the quarterback situation, you know, with the Giants. Are you one of those people who thinks that, that for the Giants, especially in the first round at, at number six, that it's that it's really, you know, uh, Dwayne Haskins or bust, or are there other other quarterbacks you see, you know, that that could be, you know, the uh, the fit for the Giants there? Well, there's a lot of different things they could do. I mean, they're in the same position they were in last year. You still got the rookie of the year, but what what did it get you? Uh, but then again, you know, he's a great player. I mean, so you go into this uh, situation and you're in the same uh, process that you were in in last year. Uh, do you want to get Dwayne Hackens? I'm not a guy who checks the boxes. I don't believe in checking boxes to try to figure out if a guy's profile is going to be good or not. Uh, you know, Bill Parcells was a great coach, but he wasn't necessarily a great talent evaluator. He could coach talent, but he couldn't necessarily evaluate talent to coach. So this nonsense where somebody has to have so many snaps underneath their belt and somebody has to have this and somebody has to have that before I'll pick them. Well, Bill Parcells never really developed anybody. So uh, he's had great players. He's been a great coach. Don't get me wrong. Don't start in Twitter me and tell me I'm a jerk and all this stuff. I'm just saying that evaluating talent to coach and coaching talent is two separate situations in most cases, exceptions to all rules as we all know. Dwayne Haskins, to me, is an outstanding prospect. And the reason I see that is because he will stand in the pocket and he has one of the quickest releases and the strongest arms since Dan Marino. Now, because he has that quick release, he doesn't want to leave that pocket too quick. He's a pretty good athlete. He could leave the pocket if he wants to. Uh, but he's so comfortable in that in that thing. And what I really liked about him this year was he took his talents and he changed them and manipulated them to set to 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 uh, to adjust to the offense that he was in rather than the other way around. He actually adjusted his way of playing to help out his team this year. That's a very very intelligent ball player right there. So he's a good ball player, and if they want him, they should take him. Daniel Jones, I like him a lot. He's had a lot of training, a lot of work with the Mannings. Uh, there's a confidence issue there. If he sat behind Eli, that wouldn't be a bad idea for him. Uh, I, I consider him a, a, a potentially a, a pretty good quarterback. And the kid that I like and nobody wants to talk about is Ryan Finley. He's very, very polished. He could walk in and probably do a job for, for a team in his first year, wind up being very, very good. 
uh, how well he'll improve from here on is a little bit debatable. He might have hit his ceiling, uh, but he's a ball player that I would really, really love to see the Giants take. And he could t- be taken later on in the round. And there's, and there's Drew Locke, who everybody likes. I'm not wild about him. I don't think he's uh, mentally tough. Uh, I think his mental strength is lacking, especially in the pocket. He struggles under pressure, and uh, but he has the arm, he has the talent. And if they want to sit him behind uh, Eli for a year or two, uh, maybe he will uh, get that, you know, strength to him. But he kind of reminds me a little bit of Joe Flacco in that, you know, he'll have some games where he may stand in there, but there are other games where he'll struggle big time. So um, that's about it, really. Um, if the Giants want to go for him, they want to drop back, they want to pick somebody at the sixth uh, pick, um, they have their options. But, you know, it, it, it's not a great, as, as it was last year, uh, in talent-wise, but it's got good mental strength. And, of course, there's Kyler Murray, who nobody wants to talk about and everybody's afraid of. And my theory about him is he, he's a freak of nature. He's got great talent. And if you can't coach this kid to be successful in the NFL, then really how good a coach could you possibly be? I mean, how much more talent do you want sitting in front of you? Why? Because he's a little short? Give me a break. So those are the options. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. You know, Drew, I know that uh, so many people look at a, at a guy like Kyler Murray and they're just not sure, you know, where he'd fit, you know, whether, you know, what teams can coach him, you know, what, what coaches can, can develop him properly. But but it sounds like you know like to me that that you're a guy who's kind of uh, all in on Murray. Yeah, I see nothing wrong with Murray at all. I mean, you, you explain to me what is wrong with Kyla Murray. Tell all they say is baseball. Not nobody has said one thing about his talent. Not one thing have they said. So what is so what is so bad about picking Kyla Murray? You're afraid to go to the next level of maybe opening up the offense and being a little bit different. You're that scared to do that because he's a little short. You can't set him back behind the line of scrimmage, maybe two yards further. He's got the athletic talent to do anything you want. He's got the arm strength, the accuracy. What do you, what are you so afraid of? It's interesting. The NFL's always been sort of a, a league where, where guys they want guys to fit into into a pre-existing mold where it seems to be difficult for them to look outside the box and figure out you know how to work with someone who's different yeah i mean they they eliminate the fullback they eliminate the tight end blocking now they eliminate all this stuff and then they want these pocket passes quarterbacks to sit back there and get their heads smashed in well make up your mind guys what do you want? Do you want a guy who's athletic, who can throw the ball on the run, who can make plays in and out of the pocket? Or do you want some guy who's going to sit in the pocket? Then you better get a fullback and a tight end that can block. And you better stop this nonsense with thinking right tackles are going to be as good as left tackles because it's not going to happen. The offensive line uh, talent that's coming out is not there and it hasn't been there for the last three, four years. So let's talk a little bit about the the offensive line, um, and obviously, you know, the Giants also need some work and some help on the on the defensive side as well. You know, you you, you said that you don't really think the offensive line talent is there, but you know, if 
if the Giants want help on the offensive line, say, you know, within the first couple of rounds, are there players that you think, you know, that, that, that you would target who might be able to step in fairly quickly for the Giants, particularly on that right side? Yes, there definitely is. I mean, uh, the Cody Ford kid, I've been doing uh, work on him just today, uh, Oklahoma, and he's what I consider a pure left, uh, I'm sorry, a pure right tackle. Uh, you're not going to move him. He's not going any place. He's not a guard. He's not going over the left side. He, he's, not, he's not anything but a pure right tackle, and he's a good one. He's got a lot of pride in him. Uh, he's, he, he, he lacks the lateral agility that you like to see for the left tackle. He's a little bit stiff. Um, he's kind of very similar to your left tackle that you have right now, only you may not be quite as athletic, but um, kind of in the same vein, okay? Uh, and he can help somebody right away. Uh, Jonah, Jonah Williams, most people are going to say they want to move him inside. I, I think, you know, he's like Joe Thomas was coming out for the Browns. I mean, he's just such a technician uh, that he could help somebody right away on the left or the right side or inside. Uh, Andre Dillard is a little bit of an offensive left tackle that probably he's, – he's got a little bit of work to do, but he's got some great talent, and he's got good mental toughness. Uh, Greg Little I'm not so wild on. Most, most people are, are wild. I think he's very sloppy. Uh, when I see somebody who's played as much as he has, who's sloppy with his techniques, it makes me think that the work ethic just isn't there where it's supposed to be. Now, if someone said to me he w- he went to class and he and he graduated in three years, then I'm then I'm kind of lean back off of that and say, okay, you know, let's let's give him uh, let's give him some uh, some rest there. But um, you know, from what I understand and from what I've done. You know, Greg Little is a little sloppy, and I'm not so wild about him. Dalton Reisner, I think, will help at right tackle. He'll help at guard. But I think his biggest thing is he'll be a big-time center for somebody, uh, and he'll help help right away. Uh, and then there's the rest of them that are most of them are going to be developmental, but fairly decent. Michael Dieter is, is, is another guy who's played all three uh, positions, center guard and left tackle. Uh, his strength is lacking big big time, and uh, he's not great in the run game, although it's surprising coming from Wisconsin, they say that. And there's some others I haven't done work yet on, Connor McGovern, uh, Mitch Hyatt, uh, you know, the the big, big strong, powerful guards, uh, Bo Benschwagel and, uh, and Ross uh, Pierce-Nagel, uh, or however you say his name, Pierce, I can't even say his last name. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's not guys, go there. <laughs> Yeah, those guys are not great with their feet, but in certain types of offensive systems, the play-action vertical system like the Giants should be playing instead of trying to force Manning into a West Coast offense that he does not fit in very well. Uh, In those types of offenses, those guys are very, very powerful and very good. And the one one guard that's really uh, underrated, Ben Powers out of Oklahoma, uh, he's a really good guard. So there is talent there. It's developmental. The few guys I mentioned, Cody Ford, Cody Ford and Jonah Williams, uh, Jawan Taylor, a lot of people like him. I'm not as high on him as other people are, but I've been wrong before. So uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, sold that I'm correct on him, but uh, I, I think he's more of a second rounder and developmental. Uh, but these guys are decent guys. They're strong-willed guys, strong-minded. They played more than one position for their teams, which is really good. And sometimes that messes with their techniques for the for the 
for their uh, evaluated uh, uh, position that they're playing right now. Somebody will say, well, his techniques aren't that good, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he played center, guard, and tackle. By the time he got over to the tackle, yeah, maybe his techniques aren't that great. He's going to have to learn, but he's got the mental ability and stamina and, 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 and will to learn. Uh, if he's learned at center and he's learned at guard, then he'll learn at tackle. So don't worry about it. So, yes, there is talent here. Uh, and, and it could be done. I, I don't know if it's top 10 talent, um, but it's, there's first-round talent here, that's for sure. Obviously, you know, the draft, people get hung up on, on the first round, on that very first pick. The Giants right now, you know, before the compensatory picks are awarded, the Giants have nine selections. I think they're probably going to get two compensatory picks. Um, which would give them 11 picks overall. When you look at this draft and you look at the fact that that the Giants probably need as much help as they can get on the, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I know you're you're not all the way through studying all of the prospects in this draft yet. But do you look at this at this draft as one where you know? If the Giants want defensive help, they should be able to find it throughout the draft? Yeah, if they're going to stay at six, okay. Um, I, I, I personally think Haskins is, is uh, a good enough quarterback to pick at six. But if they're going to stay at six, there really isn't anybody else there. They need to go on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and, they, and they should go on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they need pass rushes. I mean, come on, you know, let's, let's be honest. They weren't getting into the, into the defensive end very quickly. So, you know, uh, I'm not big on Rashad Gary, but a lot of people are Josh Allen. The kid I really like is Cleveland Farrell. And I think, you know, if, if the bills, if the, I'm sorry, if the giants really want a, a, a pass rusher, he would be the guy I kind of personally, I kind of zone in on. Uh, because I think he has uh, great talent now, and he also has developmental talent. Uh, in other words, he hasn't hit his stride. He hasn't gotten to the, to the next uh, level. Uh, and to me, that, that kid is, is uh, you know, I, I believe you're picking at number six, if I'm correct there, uh, Ed? That's right. Yeah. Uh, at number six, I mean, if he's sitting there, I, I would jump all over him. And, if no, and nobody was telling me that I, I, I was wild about Haskins, uh, you know, uh, which is fine. I mean, that, you know, everybody has their own opinion about these guys. And just because everybody says, oh, Haskins this, Haskins that, blah, blah, blah. If they don't feel Haskins the guy for them, then they shouldn't pick him. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. What are they doing? I mean, so go after a pass rusher then. And uh, Farrell would be the guy that I'd jump on if I were the uh, Giants at that point. And let's let's go back a little bit. Where do you stand, you know, personally, you know, going back, we just watched Saquon Barkley have a tremendous, tremendous, you know, rookie season, you know, win the offensive rookie of the year. You know, going going back to two thousand and eighteen, would you have taken Barkley there or if you were the Giants, would you have gone quarterback and, and set yourself up for the future? Well, I believe you managed the draft, okay, at, with the information you have at the time of the draft, and you don't get off that. And the value pick at that point at number 10 
if you feel you needed a quarterback, then you should have taken him. Now, everybody in the world thinks, but the Giants, thinks that they needed a quarterback, and they should have taken him. I happen to agree the same way. I think Eli is, is, is struggling, as we all know. He's in the wrong offensive system since they brought Bob, Bob uh, what's his name, McAdoo in. They've insisted on trying to force him into a West Coast offense system. He's never been a West Coast offensive team. He wants to throw the ball down the field. That's the way Manning's made his living. He's thrown the ball down the field. He's not his brother. He's not going to do check downs very well. He doesn't like to do them. He looks down the field first. That's the kind of guy he is. I don't know why they feel that he has to fit this system that they're in now. Now, if they change, then they don't need a quarterback. Eli Manning is fine. He's as accurate as he's ever been. He throws down the field as well as he's ever been. He's sturdy in the pocket as he's ever been. So if they don't feel they need the quarterback like they did not feel they needed the quarterback last year, then they got to pass on him. But to be honest with you, if they insist on going to the West Coast, then they need a quarterback because Eli Manning is not the quarterback for the West Coast offense. Drew, hey, I really do appreciate your uh, your spending some time with me today. Why don't you tell folks where they can find you on Twitter uh, before I let you go? Well, it's Twitter uh, at uh, DrewBoyleHart.com. It's real simple. Uh, go to the Huddle Report, you'll find me. Uh, I'm kind of like a disease. I'm a little bit all over the place, so <laughs> you, it's, uh, it's, it's not hard to find me. Um, but uh, the one thing I, w- I want you to do is to go and read the profiles. You can find profiles in the archives from 2004 on. You'll find good ones. You'll find bad ones. What I try to do is I make them entertaining, and I make them different for a reason. And I try to pinpoint somebody's what – I, what I think is going to make them – a good player at the next level. It might not necessarily be a strong arm. It might necessarily be mental strength. It might be leadership. When I talked about Baker Mayfield last year, I said there was no one in the draft that was committed to being excellent, more excellent than Baker Mayfield. That was his key point. That was the reason why I thought he would make it. You know, these are the things I try to do. I try to pull that out and show you where that is. So you can go on the film and you can actually see that the way I see it. So that's what I try to do. I Hopefully it entertains you and hopefully you see it. And uh, join us. We're free. You can join us anytime you want on, on the huddlereport.com. Drew, thank you very much for spending some time with me today. Thank you very much. I apologize for my coughing. I've had a real bad uh, cold these last couple of weeks since I came back from the Senior Bowl. So, um, I apologize to everybody out there, and uh, I hope the Giants have a very, very successful uh, draft this year. I really do. Thank you much, Drew. Okay, bye-bye now. All right, our thanks to David Morris of QB Country and Drew Boylehart of the Huddle Report for joining us for this edition of the Valentine's Views podcast. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Please remember not only to check out my shows, but to check out the twice-weekly shows from Chris Flum and Dan Pizzuta as they 
try to get you ready for the 2019 NFL draft while also offering some insights into you know their perspectives on the Giants offseason. Okay, Giants fans, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.